Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Authorized Personnel Only. Before we get started, we must recognize our first and primary sponsor. That's right, yo mama. Guaranteed to answer the phone at 2.30 in the morning on the first ring to make sure she takes care of daddy. Thanks, boo! Hey, how's it going everyone? This is Steve one of the hosts of the Authorized Personal Only Podcast. I just want to say thank you for tuning in to our first episode. And I want to remind everyone that we are not professional podcasters uh, or sound mixers. So there might be some defects in this. And trust me, over time, we will get better. So I sat down with the co-host on this episode, Neil the Real Deal Gamboa. And we talked about a lot of things, especially his time as a hotshot. And with that, we have to give a disclaimer that all of our opinions, views, and topics that we discussed on this podcast do not reflect those of our current or past employers. So we got to say that. So no snitches out there ruin our fun. So with that, please enjoy the episode. And let us know if you have any feedback. Did you gag or what? Was it just natural? Well, uh, I did a lot of research. Watched a lot of movies. Yeah, of course. And you just don't, you don't just jump off. So starting out, we, we know each other, we work with each other. So we're going to be going back to the beginning, man. I've heard a lot of these stories, and that's, that's part of why you are guest number one on the Authorized Personnel Only podcast. So let's, uh, let's, get, let's get back to where you were born. Okay, so <clears throat> born in the Inland Empire, uh-huh. so Riverside. Uh, and strangely enough, I remember this. So, born in Riverside Community Hospital, December tenth, nineteen seventy-three, at six fifty-six a.m. Goddamn! Boom. Word. All, All right, right, man. Um. So when, at that that year, right? So, what what was your family unit like? So the structure is: <clears throat> I have an older brother. He's ten years older than me, and then I have an older sister. That's older than my brother, and I don't remember how much older. But uh, uh, significant age different right there, yeah. like yep. 10 years. Right? Yep. So I would value my life as almost being a only child. You know, by the time I'm 10, my brother joins the Army. Full 20-year career, very proud of that, very awesome. And so I'm just kind of <clears throat> being a only little kid. You know, as I'm five, he's probably, you know, in his teens, Run yeah. the streets with his friends yeah. and girlfriends. You know, he don't have time to run a little punk ass kid. Sister's working. She was, uh, she was going to school and working at night at a hospital. And then, of course, you know, single mom, raising yeah. a family. Um, you know, and we're part of that uh, system. You know, yeah. welfare and all that stuff that goes with okay. it. Um, 
so what did, what did your mom do for work? Did she did she work at that time? No. 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 Okay. <clears throat> so from what I can remember growing up at home, you know, no dad. So obviously my brother and sisters are my halves. They have the same father. I have a different father. <clears throat> my mom met this guy, fell in love, chased him to Northern California. And that's where I can remember my younger years, living in San Jose, California. Uh, shoot. 914 College Drive, apartment 10, baby. You know, still remember that growing up as a kid. Is, it, is that the one by the trail, the yeah, train tracks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, life was good. You never locked your doors. You were supposed to be really? Home. Yeah, you're supposed to be home before the street lights came on, but new. No. Uh, me and my buddies, we would ride our bikes, and almost every day we got lost, where we would panic and be like, "Fuck, how do we really? Go? Oh yeah, dude." And then you dude, that's make your a different way home. Time, man. It was good, dude. It was. You don't know any better. Yeah. You know and. Yeah. and so we lived in San Jose for quite some time. I think my sister was over it, moved back to the Inland Empire, where her family's from, uh, uh, Riverside. And uh, my mom decided, you know, pack up and leave. We moved to Burbank, California. Why? Don't know. Mom tries to get a job. Older woman. No one hires her. We basically become homeless. And when you think of homeless, <clears throat> we weren't sleeping on a freeway, we weren't sleeping in a car, but we were in those entitlement welfare yeah. programs, hotel vouchers. <clears throat> so we were living in a one-room hotel. And the funny part is, like, we would have this hot plate, and it was potatoes, mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, french fries, scalloped potatoes, because it was quick, it was yeah. easy, it didn't have to be refrigerated. <clears throat> Here I am, a young kid, still don't know any better. Life is good, you know. Um, and so we lived there for a few years during my junior high school phase. And then I remember <clears throat> my mom's like, okay, what do you want to do? Cause she was over it and we could live at my grandma's house. I said, can I finish out my year? She's like, all right. <laughs> so we get this, I don't know how she got this Datsun B210 car manual. Yeah. So from my grandma's house in Bloomington, we woke up every morning, and my mom would drive me to Burbank. To Burbank from Bloomington? Every morning. Jeez. I would spend my day in school. I don't know what she did. Probably stressed out about life. Then drive me home. And we did that Monday through Friday. And you didn't really know. I mean, all you knew was you, you got to go to school. You're going to school. You yeah. didn't really know what your mom was was going through your head or her head when she was driving you to school, going back, having it. I'm assuming, did she wait in Burbank all day or? Yeah, I can oh, only okay. assume so, right? Yeah, you just, yeah, because no cell phones, right? There is no, no, yeah. She painted a great picture of this is just normal, right? Yeah, so you didn't know any better. Like, yeah. it was just, this is just how it is. Yeah, and, and let me back up a little bit. So <laughs> we would stay in the hotel Sunday through Thursday. So Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, our, my sister would pick us up, drive us to downtown Riverside to catch the bus to go all the way to downtown L.A., do a bus transfer to go to Burbank. Yeah. Walk to the hotel, get our hotel for the week. Come Friday afternoon, I'd walk from school to the hotel, catch the bus back to Riverside. My sister would pick us up and then take us to my grandma's house. And at that time, it was my aunt, my mom, and me in this 
super, super small house. And this is a funny story. <clears throat> no hot water. Uh, no heat. We did have a fireplace, I'll tell you that in a second. And uh, the septic tank <laughs> was fucked up. It's full. And so we went from shitting and flushing it down the toilet with buckets of water to where it was seeping out the backyard <sighs> to where I was... My chore was to take ashes from the fireplace, yeah. put it in a bucket, and we would shit in the bucket, and then I'd take the oh bucket gosh, and go bury man. it in the backyard. And my grandma's house <clears throat> in Bloomington, it was probably at least four acres. Yeah. And my uncle was a junkyard collector. So I was in heaven, dude. There was like old trucks and tractors and old sheds. But I would just go in the back and fucking lay in the back and bury it. Again, I don't know any better. I don't That's know. That's just what, normal. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, to take a hot, to bathe myself, I would have to boil water and a washcloth in a bucket. And then in the winter, <clears throat> is an adventure. Yeah. Go break down some fence, go find some wood for the fireplace. That's <laughs> how stupid I am. Instead of breaking the wood into small pieces and putting it in the fireplace, I have the plank sitting out <laughs> as a tripping hazard. And as it burned down, you just kick it forward. <laughs> We slept in lazy boy chairs, my mom and I, and my aunt slept on the couch. Wow. Yeah. And then my aunt passed away, brain hemorrhage. And I don't remember exactly when I was 15. Yeah. And then my mom gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. When you were 15? Yeah. Probably right. okay. like early 15, <clears throat> maybe late 14. Yeah. And, and you were. This is when you guys are still in Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is at the point where we're done with traveling. I'm gonna go to Bloomington High School. Yeah. I'm enrolled in summer school so I can like make some friends, learn a new environment. How long? How long did your mom live with the terminal cancer? You know this sucks because I I don't know. Right. You. It wasn't very long. Yeah. And she wasn't given a very long time, but she extended it beyond what the doctor said. And I think, uh, I don't think I know. So my brother's still in the army. And I know my mom's sick. I don't understand the relevance of it. Yeah. My brother comes home from Korea. And we're at my sister and brother's grandma's house in Rubido. And we're all together. And my mom goes, okay. I'm okay. I'm getting choked up right now. Yeah. So then, I understand. You know. You understood what was, what was about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because at fifteen, you don't. It's hard. It's hard for you to grasp those things. You're not mature enough, dude. You're not. It's hard to to know because you, you know you watch movies. Hey, people get old and they they die typically. Yeah. Right? And you don't even know. You know, this is early or late '80s. Yeah. So. You know, we didn't have TV. We didn't watch TV. Yeah. I played out outside all the time. So you just don't, you don't, you don't understand. You know something's, you know the end state, but it doesn't impact you emotionally. And even when we buried my mom, I, I was still kind of like, I say jaded. The pastor was like, he's just in shock. I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know? And then, so my brother's in the army. He don't want to fucking deal with me. My sister don't want to deal with me. 
Uh, so I'm staying at my grandma's house by myself. Oh, by yourself. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting in trouble, dude. Hanging with the wrong people. No authority. And uh, the counselor picks me up from school. I, I woke up late. His car's in my driveway. Drives me to school. Sits down and goes, are you going to graduate high school? I'm like, I don't know. Um, don't you think your mom wants you to graduate high school? Fuck. I don't know. And I think so many things were going on in my mom's world. School and education wasn't the... Yeah. You know? You need to. You must. You yeah. will. <clears throat> so, thanks to that counselor, it kind of guilted me into it. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm enrolled into night school. Week in school to play this whole catch-up game. And... I did it. Because at this point, you were a sophomore? or a Yeah, junior. Pro, junior, yeah. junior. So, and at the whole time, at this time, I'm, I'm holding a full-time job at the San Bernardino Golf Course, you know, working. On Waterman or on Waterman, that, yeah. yeah. I'm working. Uh, I'm going to school at night. I'm going to school on the weekends. Who's, who's taking you there? Were uh, you like, because you were from Bloomington, right? You're still living in Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. To so, Waterman is... It's, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. So, like, even my sister <laughs> so, was taking me. Okay. Some bros were taking me. Um, and then there's a there's another uh, pinnacle point in my life. As I would walk to school or walk to the bus, there's a house down the street. And there's one kid. He had a basketball court. We shoot hoops. Then he gets a driver's license. He's like, hey, dude, I'll drive you to school. You want to ride? I'm like, fuck yeah, homeboy. Then it gets to the point where I meet him in the morning outside the house. We go to school. Then it gets to the point where I go into the house and wait for him. Then it gets to the point where I go in the house, wait for him, and I'm having breakfast with his dad, his stepmom, yeah. and then us two. Uh, and, it's, and it's Norm, right? Super nice people. And then one day I walk in. <laughs> and again, my mom's passed away. Yeah. Sister's living in Rubidoux. Brother's in the army. Make my own bowl of cereal, eating, and uh, I'm like, "Where's Jeff? Oh, he's gone. He don't want to live here no more." And I'm eating my bowl. I'm like, "Awkward." Cool. Can I finish my cereal? <laughs> <laughs> I finish my cereal and, and fucking skip, skip, get on my way. And I'm walking. I'm catching the bus every day. They're seeming like, "Hey, you don't have to be strangers because Jeff's not here." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And uh, <clears throat> they kind of like took me in, dude, in a sense of, hey, you want to mow the lawn for some money? You want to do this? And they knew my situation, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and they were independent truck drivers. They both had their own successful oh, okay. own companies. Yeah. You want to wash the, the semi truck for this? You want to do that? They had horses. So they kept me occupied and almost got me out of trouble. Every day I'd come over, clean the horse corrals, you know, feed the horses, feed the dogs, wash the semi truck, mow the lawn. Then they would connect me to other people down the street, and I'd make a little pocket money, you know. So I was always doing something. Always, and it <clears throat> it helped me realize that people I was hanging out with were just wasting space. Always blaming somebody else for their shit, right? Yeah. And it came to one day. I came in, and they were like, hey, you can do whatever you want in life. And if you want to go down this path, so be it. But you have to get out of our lives. Or you can take this path and we will help you. 
Well, I went, thought about it, drinking. I'm like, it sounds cliche. I'm drinking 40s in the trailer park with my homies, you know, and, you know, F this and F that. And then I'm hearing my dudes saying all this, and I'm like, this is kind of bogus. So I go back the next day, and I don't cut my friends off by any means, but I'm on a new path of understanding life. And how old were you when that happened? Like, still 15. Oh, really? Okay. Because they helped me buy my first car. Wow. Like, we signed a contract. Like, they were like, legit, they, they made me a man before I was ready to be a man, right? You're going to sign a contract, you're going to pay us back, you're going to be responsible. Um, yeah, no, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. And <clears throat> so I got this 1978 Volkswagen Scirocco. Oh, <laughs> yeah. In the long story short, uh, lunchtime, I bring some friends over, I'm fucking around, I pack the car in a dad's truck. And I go, oh, shit. No big deal. Mom loves me, man. Not a big deal. Dad's a jack of all trades. He don't handle this. Go about my day. Come back. Uh, gut check. He rips me a new fucking asshole. Um, to the point like, I feel like telling you to grab your fucking car and leave and never show your face around here again. He's like, nope. Mm-mm. I'm going to teach you a lesson. You're going to go get quotes. You're going to get this fixed. You're going to pay for it, and you're going to deal with it. And I was like, fuck. And I, right then and there, I understand, understood what it meant to let someone down, to fail them. Yeah. And I feared, from that point forward, of failing people. You know, when you say you're going to fucking do something, you do it, right? And if you fail at doing it, but you did it. You don't cower from it. You don't walk away. So that was a great, <clears throat> that was a great lesson. And I firmly believe that kids, boys need a father in their life, 100%. Yeah, you know, I, w- um, I would agree with you 100%, man. So, um, There we are right there. So right. you're 15. You just got your first, your, your first experience with letting a father figure down in your life, right? And you, you feel that, that disappointment. Did you, I mean, did you get it fixed? Fucking it right. And uh, I got it fixed. I paid the car off. And I was just going to leave. Yeah. And he shook my hand. And he said, because this is done doesn't mean you can't come over here anymore. And he's a very quiet person. He's not like me. You know, I'm just, I'm out there. I like to have fun. He's this very stoic guy. Um. So it's not like, hey, buddy, da, 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 let's party, da, whatever. It was just like, it was genuine. It was real. Yeah. A man, a few words. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, you're still, you're still 15. Yeah. Right. So the, the trauma of losing your mom, right? That's, that's not something a lot of, a lot of teenagers and, and kids have to deal with, right? So how did that that shaped the next few years of your life before you made some pretty big decisions we'll talk about in a little bit. But did it did it change the way you think that your life was was going versus if your mom was was still alive with you during those years? Did it did it change your projection at all, do you think? I think even to this day I I, I don't really understand 
understand the magnitude of losing a parent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You just it happened, and this is probably why. I, this is probably why I'm less empathetic. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, yeah, like my wife and her family pff, talk to each other every day. They're very close. It's just comfortable. And here I am. I'm now I'm a lone wolf. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, I, and I do want to say, like, as we go on this journey, there's people who are far worse off than I was and am. So I, I, those who are struggling, stay in the fight, man. Stay in the fight. I like it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so the rest of high school. Uh, where, what high school did you graduate from? Boomington. Any sports or anything? No. So, interesting enough, like, as a kid, I played organized soccer, but just young. Yeah. Don't even remember I played. And, of course, my mom passes away at 15. That's the last thing on my fucking yeah. mind. Uh, not saying I'm trying to survive the streets, but I'm, I got to survive, you know? I'm by myself. I got a brother in Korea, sister who probably doesn't want anything to do with me. I lived with her in an apartment in Grand Terrace for maybe a year or two. Maybe not even that long. And it was just, I moved out. So, yeah. uh, then I, and then I did move in with, uh, I called my adoptive parents. I moved in with them and they're like, 30 days, that's all you get. All right, 30 days came up, I saved some money, I packed my car up. Thank you very much. Went to work at the golf course. <laughs> I get a page. That's right, people. Pagers. A pager. Look it up. <laughs> I go to the payphone. I call them up. Mom's like, come home. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I'm good, whatever. Dad gets on the phone. Bring your ass home. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and they get me on this journey, dude. I save my money. I get my own apartment. Uh, I help from uh, my boss at the golf course. New guy I worked at... Uh, Orange Show Toyota helped me get a, a, a truck because my car took a dump. You know, people say they, I don't know, people say they do everything on their own. I don't believe that. Someone's always out to help you. You can't, yeah. you can't do everything on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So after you graduated, you graduated in the, you didn't have to, I mean, you did all the night school stuff, so you had to catch up a little bit, but you graduated with a diploma. Yeah, and I, deep in my heart, I almost think that was, they, they just gave me a diploma. <laughs> hey, man. You know? Like, Look, this, it worked out. Yeah, like, this kid's fucked anyway. <laughs> let's, get him out, let's get him out of here. We feel bad for him. Yeah. Let's just give yeah. him this. In my heart, and half the time I feel like I want to go to the school of records to see. But let's not do that. <laughs> All right, so you graduate. <clears throat> Word. Graduate. What now, dude? What? Where, where was your mind? All right, so I'm working at the golf course, just driving golf carts, picking up golf balls, having a good old time, really good time. <clears throat> I pick up the game after so many years of working there. I'm like, eh, come on, eh. those are for nerds. Fell in love with the game, played every day for free. Really? Became pretty darn good. Wow. They took care of me. Here I am living in my own apartment. I ate for free, breakfast, lunch, and dinner there. And... Um, uh, I, I really didn't have any worries. And they yeah. knew my situation. Yeah. Again, undercover, helping a brother out, which I appreciate. Um, another buddy from high school, him and his grandpa have a construction company. That me want to do some work on the side. So now I got two jobs. And I'm working at the golf course at night as the night irrigation, the water guy. Best, easiest job I've ever had. 
and if I was smart, I would have went to college. Because out of an eight-hour day, I probably only really worked four. Plug in the sprinklers, they got to run for two hours and 20 minutes. I got that time to kill. What am I doing? Yeah. I'm on the payphone. That's right. Look it up. You know, messing around. Friends are coming at the golf course at night, hanging out. Yeah. Just stupid stuff. So. Okay. Uh, doing that, doing construction. And this takes us to the next evolution of um, uh, the new job, the career. I don't know if you want me to go into that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go into that. Um, so what, what, was the, what was the crossroads? Like where you, you, you're working and then something happened where you realized, I can't stay here forever. I need to go on. I need to move forward. What what was that? What was that defining moment that led you to the to that crossroad? So, <clears throat> I tell the golf course I, I need a promotion or more money. They hesitate. They're very hesitant on giving me the night irrigation because you're by yourself at night yeah. in San Bernardino. But they give me a shot, and I'm working with the supervisor, nice guy, and he's like, in ten or twelve years. Because he got promoted. Yeah. 10 or 12 years, you can have my job. I'm like, mm, okay. No, probably not. So that kind of sparks that I got yeah. I got to do something else. Uh, I'm at work at the golf course. And this eight foot tall, redhead, white dude, sleeved up, necked up, tattooed up. Michael Deere walks up to me, another guy goes, you guys ready to be men? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and his wife was a manager of the golf course. Yeah. And he's talking forest service stuff. Oh, okay. And I'm in the blind, dude. I'm from, <laughs> I mess around. I'm from the streets, dude. I don't like, <laughs> Smokey who? Smokey Bear? <laughs> I don't know who that is, you know? And he's talking all this craziness about hard work. And, that, that. and I kind of blow him off. <clears throat> And my buddy does the application. He doesn't get hired and fired. He gets hired and wreck for the summer. He comes back and goes, man, it was fine. I made a lot of money. Remember, we're 15, yeah. 16. I made a lot of money. I had a lot of responsibility. Like one time, uh, they closed the shop. I still had an HT. That's a hand radio walkie-talkie. And they told me just to take it home. Oh, $1,000 radio. Oh, my God. And you must trust me. You know? I'm like, wow. So the next year comes, and I go, hey, Mike dear." I want to do this. And then we sit down, we do the application on a typewriter. That's right, typewriter, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I meet his boss, and his boss is just jamming me up. I don't care how good a golfer you think you are, because this is real work. Da, da, da. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So I'm like, okay, whatever. I just need a job. I'm, I'm, I'm clueless in life. I get a phone call. Congratulations, you're hired. I'm like, sweet. You start in a month. Okay. Give up my apartment. Give up all my worldly possessions. Quit my job. You know, I don't just, you know, here two weeks or whatever. And then I get a phone call. Oh. Hey, this is the um, Sequoia National Forest Hot Springs Ranger District. We lost your application. Sorry. Oh, my God. What? So, by all accounts, I can probably go back to the 
golf course. Yeah. I had a roommate, so I could probably sit there. I need to stay. But something in my mind was like, nope, you got to figure some shit out. You, you can't just go back, right? My buddy uh, joined the Marine Corps, gets out of boot, and he's working at the recruiter office locally. Hey, dude, it's joined the Marine Corps. I'm like, huh? Okay. Clueless. I got to do something. <laughs> go down there, do my little test. Guy brings me in. Oh, man, you're so smart, man. Hey, you got any tattoos? Uh, no, sir. You can guard the embassy. And in my head... <laughs> do the embassy <laughs> duty. And in my head, I'm like, dude, I know I'm a dumb motherfucker. Dude. Just, where do I sign? Just uh, get this over with. Where do I sign? Yeah. Come back tomorrow. We'll get you squared away. Yes, sir. Go back home to my apartment. And there's a flashing light on my answering machine. That's right. Look it up. No voicemail. Answering machine. <laughs> Hey, this is so-so from Sequoia National Forest, Hot Springs Rangers. We found your uh, application. You still interested? Ooh. Ooh. Well, yeah, pretty big choice. Again, clueless. Yeah. My, my decision came really quick. Well, I'll just go to the Forest Service, and if I hate it, <laughs> I'll just come back to the Marine Corps. Call my buddy up. Hey, this is the situation. Like, don't worry about it. I handle it. All right, cool, man. Thanks a lot. Never heard anything from the Marine Corps again. Cool. Boom. Um, pack my stuff up. Drive up, um, get there first day, and it's a culture shock, dude. Day one. Day one. What do you remember? Uh, not very much. Day one, I get there, I meet the bosses, the crew members are obviously sizing me up, yeah. mad dogging me. And you were on engine, right? I was on a hand crew. Hand crew. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. Type type two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a type two fuels crew. Okay. That had a really good reputation of initial attack fires. They worked, uh, you know, uh, this was in Lake Isabella, um, Kern County, Bakersfield. So a lot of lot of grass fires, a lot of vegetation fires. Yeah. Those, those guys were really good at fighting fire. Um, definitely brainwashed me about how good they really were compared to hot shots. They can include this, right? This is new to me. Uh, I first learned what being homesick feels like. Yeah. Uh, there was a friend in my life that um, we were getting close, but then I left. So homesick, and she'd yeah. write me, thank, thank you for writing those letters. I never wrote anything back because I was ashamed of my penmanship. She wrote to me forever, dude. And uh, <laughs> you have a basic 40. I think it's a week of basic wildlife. Fire, yeah. Right? And I'm like, at this place, I'm out of here. As soon as the week's done, I'm, I'm packing and whacking them down the road. It's Friday. It's almost, it's, you get off work at 1800. It's like 1805. Everyone's getting ready to leave. And then the soup comes out. Hold up. Nobody go home. Like, what the fuck? We got a fire. Oh, okay. Load up. Drive up to the Hella base, which is probably 40 minutes away. It's a lightning strike. Fly out in a helicopter. Kind of cool. Land. Obviously, the sun's going down. I get my fucking ass handed to me on this fire line. And uh, <laughs> there's this chick. And she looked down on me. She's like, hurry up. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> we cut line, tie it in. And again, I'm clueless. The guys have a warming fire. They're getting ready to eat. 
and I'm in the background. And they're like, hey, man, come get close to the apartment. Nah, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. <laughs> throw me an MRA. I'm from the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they throw me an MRA. And, of course, it's like, what is that? Beef Franks or something? Oh, yeah. Yep. Those are great. And uh, and uh, I ate it cold. I don't know. Any- well, they didn't even have them heated back then. Yeah. Just nasty, dude. Froze my butt off all night into the morning and then mopped up flew out slept at a park and we're supposed to get up at a certain time and i'm stuffing my sleeping bag in those red bags remember those oh yeah but i was trying to roll my sleeping bag Mm. and it just wasn't working the guys are just laughing at me yeah and then the captain walks up and just like rips me into one you need to be on time. You need to be ready. Da, 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 da. And if I feel, I was, I was so mad. I just stuffed him in. It was like, good job, my fucking. <laughs> and I never looked back, dude. I never thought it. about quitting. Uh, it, I just huh? did. Yeah, I didn't look back. I it, I didn't fall in love with it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just like, I don't know. I just didn't look back. I didn't think about going home, calling it quits, you know. And I stayed there on the fuels crew. I think three three seasons, and that crew was fun because you cut every single day and you dropped legit trees every single day. Um, so you got handy with the steel to earn your keep. That's Warren G. Um, so you got really good at being a Sawyer, really really good. And Fulton and Horseshoe Hotshots would pull guys off that crew. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's kind of like a recruiting <clears throat> tool. You know, you want you want to go with the big dogs, you know. Horseshoe and Fulton, and they would grab guys because they knew how to run saws. That's what yeah. you did every single day, eight hours a day. So uh, it was fun. <sighs> then I took a term position, which is like a prom- like a full-on career promotion, as long as funding was there. They sent me to an engine, and then I met my best friend, Nick Montana, and I remember guys like, oh, man, you're not going to like Nick. He's an asshole. He just he rubs people wrong. And we were two peas in a pod, dude. It was just, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Good dude. Kern yeah. County, man. He's about to retire here probably in a couple of years. Oh, he works for Kern County? Yeah. yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so when so you did three seasons on the Type 2 crew, right? And then you got promoted. Um, so what year was that? Oh, man. Um, I think it was, uh, 89 or 87. Cause in 89, the engine crew went to Florida and like the whole state was on fire. Like they were evacuating counties. It was a great road trip, man. It was, it was really fun. Um, and we came back. And being on the engine was cool. I had a cool captain. We weren't really that busy. Uh, we did a lot of fuels work as an engine company, which I thought was really cool. And back then, I thought that was the standard. Everybody did fuels work. Everybody. <clears throat> and then we're on a fire over here in... Um, what is it off the highway to? Rightwood area. Rightwood? Um... Yeah, just Rightwood. Yeah, Rightwood? Yeah. Okay. And I'm on an engine, and our job is to prep this um, cabin. So we lay dry hose lay. And then that's it. 
So we're laying on, me and my buddy, he's laying on one bench, I'm laying on the other one, and you hear on the radio, you know, division calling Fulton, and uh, I think it was just Fulton. Hey, how's it, how's it going, guys? Ah, oh, man, it's, it's outflanking us, but we're still engaged. A couple hours ago, later, same thing. Uh, we're doing our best. We're chasing it down, but we can't get it. A couple hours later, <laughs> you hear it again. And my buddy goes, man, those guys are fucking hardcore. And in my little pea brain, I go, I want to be fucking hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing what that means, dude. And I start my journey. And I hear, well, who's the best? And I want to go home. I want to go to yeah, San Bernardino. So I want to come home. So I see their rose on a fire, and I start chopping it up. And of course, they're oh, you want to roll with the big dog? Whoop de whoop de whoop. You got it, you know, and all this. And I'm like, okay, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. Whoop whoop whoop. And at the end of this fire season, my captain goes, "You're not coming back." I go, why not? And I, I tell you this in confidence. And I don't like putting this out, but uh, the battalion chief does in charge of me didn't like me and uh, <clears throat> I'm a pretty vocal dude and I think what pushed him over the edge was he's gonna have me take my class B license in a split and I never driven a split uh. before and I told him you're setting me up for failure and I think that's what pushed pushed it over and so I decided we ran out of funding oh, because you had that power over the term yeah and uh, my captain's like hey man I signed off your squad boss um, the FMO made some calls for me down here to the FMO. What's the FMO? Fire management officer. Okay. So like uh, the chief. Yeah. He's the chief. And like, I'm sure we could find some some stuff. And this is actually a funny story. I'm hearing some bad things about Del Rosa. Just like they don't get along internally. I'm like, whatever. So then I, I call BG. Oh, yeah, come on up for an interview. I'm from the street. I don't know shit about mountains. <laughs> I'm fucking late. <laughs> I get to the station, like, oh, come over to the district office. We're having breakfast or lunch across the street. And I go over there. I'm still late. And I'm a fat boy. I'm a fat boy. I'll always be a fat boy. There's just, there's nothing around that. And they are very nice. Tony Sandrini, if you're out there, you were very nice to me. But I, they were never going to hire me. He's like, oh, you're kind of a big boy. I have to put you on the salt. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> two, weeks, two weeks before hire comes, I call them up. No, I haven't seen your name on the list. One week, no. Uh, zero hour they hire. Nope, haven't seen anything. Week after, nope. Two weeks after, nope. And then I get the picture. They ain't gonna hire a brother. Oh, Neil Campbell. <laughs> so, I don't even know what I'm doing, dude. I think I went back to the golf course. Oh, you, you ended up going, okay. Yeah. So you, you left the Sequoia. Yeah. Okay, because your quote unquote funding yeah. ran yeah. out. So now you tried for Vista Grand Hot Shots, right? I interviewed. <clears throat> they weren't going to hire me. I just looked like a slob. Plus, I was laid up. I'm yeah. sure I disrespected them on that. Yeah. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, the golf pro, Cheryl Thomas, rest her soul, took me in. Let me stay with her while I was trying to figure stuff out. Then I started testing for, like, law enforcement, LAPD, force, uh, fire departments. And again, I'm a big old dummy, so I'm not passing any of these tests. And I don't even know why, because I'm not smart enough. Yeah. <laughs> no. Pass another one. So uh, I get a phone call from Scott Wagner. Uh, he's a PC, and he's like, "Hey, we got a spot on Del Rosa. This is probably like a month. Sorry, I need to get closer, Mike. Probably a month. They've already been running and gunning. Yeah. 
And that's probably the best time you're in shape. So I'm working out. I'm taking care of myself. I'm running like three to five miles, you know, a couple times a week. I'm working out 24-hour fitness. I ain't got no jobs. I got all this time. I think I'm in great shape. <laughs> I show up, and the rumor is I'm like some 48-year-old man. Then I was probably like 25. And I get there, and they're just sizing me up. Da, 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 da. They take me on a hike. Everyone's carrying a saw, and I'm carrying a McLeod. And I get to the top of the hill, and I look down, and they're all down there in push-up position. I don't know how long they've been down there, dude. And they're fucking cussing me the fuck out, dude. Screaming at me. <laughs> I get down to the bottom. We get back. And I swear that the captain and the squad boss choreographed this. The squad boss walks up and goes, I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how good of a sawyer you are. I don't care how badass you think you drop trees. Shut your mouth and you better make it. You got one week. Oh my God. All right. Yes, sir. 15 minutes later, captain says the exact same thing. <laughs> At least that's what it seemed like in my head. So for lack of better terms, I'm on suicide watch in my, <laughs> in my room in the barracks. I'm like, oh my God. A few days go by. It's all appreciation day. And I truly believe, Steve, that the fear of failing helped me finish like third on the hike. And a couple guys like, oh, fuck, right on. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it took the pressure off. Yeah. And I yeah, think absolutely. they were like, okay. Let's give this dude a shot. Um, it was great, dude. Anyway. And that's 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 what started your hotshot career. Oh, right? dude, yeah, that that became something new and and awe. Yeah. For me. When when did you know that that was something that you were going to spend a career there? Not then, because I was still testing. Yeah. And so we'll do a little uh, backup. So uh, I passed a written test for LAPD, and now I'm in the process. I'm in backgrounds. I'm, I'm on the hot shots. As a matter of fact, I, I stay behind to do a background interview. And I go in the room, and the guy goes, all right, it's pretty slick. He pushes forward two folders. This is your work history. This is your life history. He jams me up by working at Toys R Us. Why don't you tell me you worked at Toys R Us? I'm like, sorry, I worked there for eight hours. I don't care. You worked for eight hours. Why don't you tell me? I'm like, because it was a training day. It was insignificant. And then the devil was a call, man. This is all my ass. Yeah. And then he shows me my personal folder. And he says, why don't you tell me about this? And uh, I have skeleton, skeletons in my closet that I will never share. I will die with. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, you can appeal, but you're not what we want. Oh, so they cut you. Yeah, they cut me. <clears throat> okay. All right. So at the same time, I'm fighting fire, moving on. I did I did appeal it. They said thanks, but no thanks. And then at the end of nine, oh, at the end of 2000, I accept a apprenticeship position with the Forest Service, like a journeyman. At the same time, I get a letter from LAPD. Congratulations, your pill has been accepted, and your academy date is whoop de whoop no de whoop. Right, and this is all when like, I think it was Daniel Perret, the Rampart scandal was yeah. going on, yeah. and Rodney King, and LAPD was just in a rough time. And then I was like, again, clueless. 
yeah, I'll just stay here. It's easy. <laughs> you know? And, and it was that simple. It, it was, was that simple. Was, I'm a simple okay. dude, dude. You know? It's either hamburgers or mustard sandwiches. They're both great. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, I stay up the feds. I take the apprenticeship. And um, I'm in the academy. And my soup calls William J. Coney. That's my soup. That's my dog. And... I think he's a little upset. There's nothing he can do about it. He calls me and says, you're going to the engine next year. Just deal with it. I'm like, okay. Getting clueless. Whatever. I'm easy going, dude. You know, if you say go left, when I know I should go right, I'll go left. You know, as long as it doesn't kill me. Um, and I end up going to the engine. In, in 2000, we had a whole bunch of mega fires. Nothing like this year or last year. But Congress gave the Forest Service a whole bunch of money to add more equipment. Yeah. And uh, they help, I helped start an engine company. And as much as it sucked, I learned a lot of stuff about being politically savvy, um, maneuvering, navigating through landmine fields, um, administrative skill set. And I, when I, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but when I went back to Del Rosa, we were like archaic in how we handled our admin stuff. And I was like, hey, man, can we? I could take this shit next level. Yeah. So. Were you still seasonal then? Or what, were no. You, uh... So when you take the apprenticeship, I was a GS5 seasonal, which I, at that time, they hadn't done that in a while. And uh, I don't want to forget, I, I was broke off all the time on hot shots. I don't want to forget <laughs> that. There'll be some haters like, yeah, I'm really broke off. You know, I made it. True. And uh, I, took an, I took their apprenticeship, so I got bumped back down a level in pay. Okay. And then when I came back, they had um, job openings, and they're called demos. So you could be, say, like a captain's GS8. You could be a six, seven, eight. You just each year, as long as you're successful, it's called a demo. So I got that as a five, six assistant engineer. And so I was a captain, Armando Lobo. Me as an assistant, we didn't have an engineer, so basically I was that engineer. I learned a lot. They brought in the first diesel that they ever had on the forest, a 1980s GMC truck. No air, no radio. They had to manufacture ways to put SCBAs in. They had to put in this old uh, form proportioner, foam proportioner in there. It was a bucket, dude. But I was just like, let's ride, you know? I've never been fancy. Yeah. I don't even know what fancy is, so this is uncomfortable. That's funny coming. We're, we're doing this out of your, <laughs> your 5,600 square foot house in one of one of out of the five car garages you have. What was your initial? Because I know we, we've talked about this before. You're you're coming down here, right? Guy, did, did people? Did anyone tell you hot shots are? Overplayed, are are oh. over exaggerated, are are think they're the shit, but they're really not the shit. Yeah, so I get this from my former boss up north, cool guy, still cool dude. And the fuel crew I was on was really really good. We're just as good as hot shots. So I go down to Del Rosa thinking that, and I'm doing my basic forty, and I fail every test. And this is so you you used to pass, no problem your basic 40 up on the Sequoia because that was a yearly thing, yeah. right? Yeah, and I can't even remember, honestly, taking that test every single year. Now, again, this is, I had two decades in the Forest Service, so I, I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. So I get to Del Rosa, and they're like, how long have you been in the Forest Service? I'm like, seven seasons, sir. You don't even know your 10s and 18s. 
you did not pass this test. So on top of me failing physically, academically, I'm a loser. I'm an F face. And um, I, I talked to the other guy, so what happens if I don't? I pass it, dude. He's like, you ain't gonna make it. So here I am at personal initiative on the grind on the weekend, because I'm gonna take the test again down the road. And that kind of opened my eyes up. And, and another thing is, <clears throat> and this is raw, when I said I was leaving, going to San Bernardino, like, oh, why the fuck you want to go down there? Those guys think they're L.A. County wearing their uniforms and their Forest Service badge all shiny. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And it's pride. It's pride in your yeah. organization. It's pride in wearing that uniform. And that little tiny copper faded out badge, yeah, those dudes polished that up with brasso like no other. They're proud. The uniform, high and tight, open collar, military press. Everyone wore nice, clean Nomex pants. On Sequoia? Five people on an engine, you're lucky if two people are wearing the same shirt. <laughs> you know? Um, it's just different. It's, it's crazy how that. And, and I think regions. it's part of being, you assimilate to what you're around. Yeah. You know, um, the Angeles, the Cleveland, the San Bernardino, the LP, you're around municipal departments because you work together and you see how they carry themselves and it looks good. Yeah. You know? Um, and I appreciate it. I like that. I like that high and tight look. Absolutely, man. Um, okay, so you're you're on Del Rosa. When did you start getting your first lessons and being a senior guy on the crew? When did you become? Let me back. When did you become a, a senior guy on that crew? I don't know. Uh, and does it does it work that way? Do you, there's there's senior guys that right. That's yeah. kind of like you, you have senior firefighters and yeah yeah. And and that comes into time and grade, right? Yeah. So you're hired as an apprentice. You're a GS four. You finish your apprenticeship, become a GS five. You're that's your title, senior fireman, right? And um, but it's more than that, dude. Yeah. I will die to the grave. True leadership is never rank specific, ever. 100%. And so it's, I don't know what year it was, 2000, maybe. It's winter time. This is back in the day where you literally winterized everything. Fire yeah. season's over. You take the tools off. You, you purge the saws. You put things in, in cabinets. Um, you put the buggy away. And we get a fire. And it's only a handful of us working. And we're scrambling to get shit. We go, we make it, we survive. We probably got canceled. And I came back and I asked, uh, <clears throat> so I go, hey man, do you mind if I like outfit one rig? That's a good idea. And I did it all by myself, dude. Got the tools, got the saws ready. And they were like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So I was like, oh, good, good job, dude. Good job, punk. And I was like, oh man. That, that moment showed me, this is what I love about the hot shots. That moment, I was just good enough. And I love that because it gave me something to look forward to tomorrow. Can I be better than just good enough yesterday? Fucking love it. Because there's two, there's three kind of people, I guess. There's those who will, to protect the innocent, we call them turds. They'll never make it. They just don't. And then there's guys, you know, like Uriel Ortega, David Blair, uh, David Barrero, Dustin Blair, James Blair. They get it, dude. Physically fit, academically, they understand, stand strategies and tactics. They get their boom, they're on point. 
And here I am in the middle, just I'm struggling. But every day, oh, he's, he's just good enough. He, he's just good. Let's put him on a salt. Just good enough. Uh, let's let him run him on. Just good enough, you know. And that really uh, fed my fire every day. I love being. I, I fucking love being a hot shot. <laughs> I get emotional about that shit. Okay, so talk about that. So we, we we've talked about this before. Um, leadership development early on in your career before you're even a, a official leader, right? What what did that what did you get in that in that area as far as leadership development goes? Uh, before you were an actual title, yeah, yeah, title leader. Forest Service does a great job. Um, they recognize potential. And then so especially if you become an apprentice, right off the bat, it's an introductory to leadership, fellowship to leadership, and up and up and up. They have classes. When you get out, you're going to get a task book, and you're giving small operational leadership roles. And at, in the beginning, they're, they're trivial, but they see how you respond because you're dealing with personalities, right? And sometimes guys don't want to work hard, and so you've got to be able to motivate to get them to go. This isn't the military where you will do. A guy can up and quit and walk off the hill anytime he wants, you know? So there's those levels that get you prepared versus you've been a fireman for 10 years, you become a captain. All right, go do great things. And the Forest Service is a continuous progression, continual progression for those roles that to help set you forward. Okay. I like that because I think a lot of the the fire service and, and not just the fire service, but I mean a lot of uh, a lot of high functioning agencies and, and organizations don't don't have that. But that's that's good. So how much did that help you when you did become in when you were given that leadership official leadership title on the crew? Well, I think being on the crew for a very, 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 very long time, you're comfortable. Uh, your leadership that's supervising you, <clears throat> you're comfortable with them, so yeah. it makes it a little bit easier. Um, and then just being in a dynamic environment, darn near every day, um, makes you comfortable yeah. to a certain degree. And then I learned by watching, watching other leaders make decisions. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? I like it. I don't like it. I'll do that. I won't do that. I'll do that, but I'll adjust it. You know what I mean? So I'm at briefing with my superintendent, uh, Koenig, and in front of me, I see Texas Canyon Hotshot. Yeah. And they have a t-shirt on, and it was like 30th or 25th year anniversary. And I look at the soup, and I go, what's up with that, man? We're the OGs. First Hotshot Kuna Nation. We should have a re reunion. And he looks at me, and he goes, handle it. And I don't think he thought I was serious. And at that moment, I wasn't serious. But when he told me handle it, again, I did not, I feared letting him down. So I start this journey, dude. Fire season's over. I did talk to TC. They gave me a lot of information on how they did it. And I start this journey the whole winter. Um, this is before internet, like social media. Yeah. So snail mail, trying to get the word out. Uh, Jack Brown, former CEO of Stater Brothers, was a former devil, was a hot shot. He, rest his soul, he helped us out a lot. 
he really hooked us up, dude. He got Budweiser to give us cakes. We got the park, uh, the park in Ucapa, Ucapa Regional. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he did that, but he, he put ads in the paper. He gave me money um, to really spearhead this going. And then um, one of the battalion chiefs, so a local department, was like, man, that's the kind of guy we need in our department. Someone can organize. And like, well, what do I got to do? Again, you know, looking for that next job. Just good enough, right? <laughs> you got to get an EMT. You got to go into Dark Street Fire Service. You got to take fire inspector or whatever. And then you got to go to academy. And I'm like, so I did it. Oh, you, you did that? Okay, what year was that? Oh, God, I don't know, dude. It was, it was Academy 69 at Crafting Hills College. But I rubbed some some people wrong in the Forest Service because I had to take time off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were permanent then, right? Yeah, yeah. I was a I was a crew captain at that oh, time. Oh no, okay. I didn't know you were a captain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're all over the place on this, but I, you know, I was a squad boss for four years, I think, and then I'm a captain. I go, I'm gonna do this journey, and I do my research, and it's I can take the time off. And at that time, we had an HR lady. She set me up because I was just gonna take LWOP. She's like, no, no, no. Burn half of your pay period on leave, half on LWAP, so you can keep your benefits going. Oh. And it, it, it made some people mad. I remember we had a meeting, and the chief was like, I'm not going to pay people to go to the fire academy and get another job. Okay. <laughs> you know? Who was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a dummy. What so, an idiot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that BC started that journey. And... That wasn't enough to be competitive. So either I had to be a paramedic, that ain't going out or have a degree. So I talked to a buddy of mine and tried the school online. Started, got a quick AS. And then I noticed that wasn't good enough. And I really liked being in school. I really liked really? I really liked thing, learning. Huh? It just, because I'm older, mature, yeah. I'm putting my energy into it versus it being jammed see, down my throat. See, that's funny because. Talked about earlier, you know, you had you had to take night classes to catch up because you, you know, it wasn't the motivation wasn't there. There was a lot of things going on, obviously. But fast forward, how many how many years? Twenty years plus, probably twenty plus years. And uh, so I'm fifteen, <coughs> graduated high school at eighteen. So I'm probably twenty eight, yeah, maybe thirty, because I was the oldest dude in the fire academy. Okay, and then you you fast forward to that time. And now, it was, now it's something that you, you sought. That was, was like, something you were seeking. Yeah, I thought, oh, this is cool. That's cool. And then I was like, well, I'm going to keep going. So I look at the uh, fire science bachelor's. I'm like, mm, something else. And I see organizational leadership. And then I kind of question. I'm like, I'm already a leader. I know how to be a leader. I'm a hot shot all day, every day. What am I going to learn from this? <laughs> I think the bachelor program was a lot in military uh, history leadership, which is really, really yeah. cool, man. I, I learned, oh, yeah. God, had no idea. And then the master's program took it into more corporate, and it made me a better superintendent. 100% made me a better captain. It made me a better superintendent. Um, I think if the guys are listening to this, I came up with a 1,000 ideas. And maybe 900 of them failed, but 100 worked. That's not being a quitter, you know? And part of that was like, you got to try new things. 
gotta try new things. You gotta inspire, lead, challenge, inspire from the front. So, uh, school really helped me out. That's cool. A lot of people kind of look negatively sometimes on on school and going going to college and stuff. And you, you put it in a good way, right? You, you say it it brought your perspective from a tiny, basically, eyeglass to a, a broad window, basically. So. Yeah, 100% in the sense of, and we're not on video, but my frame of reference went from like a marble to now I can't even contain it. Yeah. And and I should say, when I finished, I can't contain it. Now that I've been out of school for so long and I'm not a continuous learner like I should be, uh, my frame of reference is, is getting smaller again. Or you're just growing into that. Mm. I think okay. you're. I think you're growing into it. Because um, you're not like not learning. I mean, you're doing stuff at work you're every day you're doing something yeah yeah so <clears throat> okay so now you're the soup yeah what year did you did you take that role so i, I got the soup job in 2013 and i'll back up i wanted to be a squad boss bad because the superintendant and other captain asked me to come back, and I was really humbled and honored for that. Because I went to the engine, and I thought I was going to stay there. And I was yeah. going to get an engineer job. Guaranteed. Yeah. Chiefs were telling me, you're an idiot to go back to the crew. It's going to bottleneck. You're not going to be able to get out of there. Why would you want to swing a tool? It's whack. I want to be a hot shot, sir. And so uh, I'm just hanging out. But I wanted to be a squad boss. And then I wanted to be a captain. Oh, man, I wanted it hard. And I wanted to be a captain for my superintendent. I respect that guy so much. And he left. He took a job with superintendent of Augusta Hotshots back. I think it was in Georgia. I want to get his family out of California. Got the captain's job. Um, worked under Jim Tomaselli. <laughs> we had a very special relationship. It's good now. It's good now. Yeah. I mean, do you want to dive into that? No, I don't. <laughs> we did not get along. Two alpha males in a, in a cage don't get along. Yeah, yeah. You know? All right, enough said about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think as time progressed on, and uh, it got better. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad I could say he's my friend. He's mean to me. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I'm a captain, things are good. I get my bachelor's degree. So as soon as I get my bachelor's degree, you know, I'm a kid, I always wanna be a cop, right, you know? Um, and so I, I go on the internet and I look up every federal law enforcement agency in the world. And so I'm reading the federal system, they gotta give me a little hookup, woo woo. And most of them have an MOU where you could be moved around. Oh, okay. And I met my wife, and I didn't want to do that. <clears throat> Except for the Border Patrol, the Forest Service, I can't remember what other agency. You were assigned, you were assigned. And so I started looking at the Forest Service Law Enforcement Program, did write-outs, talked to patrol captains, special agents, the thumbs up. And they could, like, they could fly a job, they could hire me, but I would have to compete with LEOs already in the system, and they had priority. And then there, there's funding issue. I think they hired a guy, but they didn't have funding to send him to Fletzy, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. So he was just, I don't know what he was working at, you know. So I'm, I'm gearing for that. 
And the superintendent says, I'm moving on. I'm going to another force as a division chief. See ya. I'm like, oh, I guess I better put my app in. Can't pass up opportunity. Put my app in, and this is the first year that the Forest Service decides to do legit interviews. Uh, it's Zoom, and so they're in Sacramento. I'm at, at the headquarters of San Bernardino, and we do an interview. And I walk away, I'm like, oh, I feel good. And I think school really helped me articulate yeah. leadership. And then being a hotshot helped me articulate when you're in charge, stay in charge. Because they, they jammed me up about, well, what if one of your captains wants to do his job or his priority first? I go, well, we'll do mine, we'll do his, we'll communicate. Well, what if he doesn't, da 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 I'm in charge. He is not. <laughs> we will do my shit, and then we'll deal with his. Okay. Driving back to Del Rose, I get a phone call. She's like, great interview. Can't say nothing, but we'll make you a tentative offer. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I go home, and I tell my wife, I got the soup shop. And I tell my wife, five years. Five years, I'll reevaluate. I, I, I tell the two closest people in my life, my wife and David Barrero. Uh, he's now the superintendent of Del Rosa. Him and I have been together on Del Rosa forever, dude. Um, so I tell him five years for his mindset, whatever that may be. I tell my wife because... Uh, I've been on Del Rosa for I don't know how many years, 10 plus, single, just doing it. Forest Service, Hot Shots was my girlfriend, nothing else mattered. And then I'm like, okay, I'm getting older and mature, I want to be home and you know, enjoy my life, my, my life with my wife. So I said, 10 years, we'll figure something out. I'm still looking at law enforcement, I'm still, and I'm looking at promoting within the agency, division chief, the time the ranger's like, hey man, you know, so-and-so's going to promote, we would love to have you with that. She helps me get into this leadership class. It's called Middle Middle Leadership Program in Sacramento. It's a regional program. It's really, really good. Um, you learn a lot about yourself. And there's a, something interesting I'll tell you. So I do that. <clears throat> and uh, the same time, Ontario. Oh, I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, say it. Ontario Fire Department. I'm, I'm starting their process. I'm in background. And I'm like, oh, the wife. Yeah, I just got a super job. Ontario, this could be really great. I go and I take my polygraph, and then I get a letter from polygraph. Thanks, but no thanks. And I know exactly why. In my heart, I know why I felt that test. Because the guy asked me, the questions I ask you today, do you believe they're going to be the same questions I ask you on the poly? And I go, nope. The questions I ask you today, <laughs> do you believe they're going to be the same as asking the poly? Nope. And he looks at me and goes, why? And I, I was honest, dude. They said, don't lie, don't yeah. hide. I'm yeah. like, I don't know you, sir. I never had a polygraph. I don't know what's to come. And I think that ruined it for me, 100%. 100. Yeah. So Ontario tells me no. Uh, and I, and I, I do the soup gig, man. It was great. It was fucking great. Loved it. Give me, give me one, just, just one. One time you felt like, I don't know how to use this word, but one time as, a, as a, in, that, in that leadership role that you felt like you failed as a leader. That's a tough one. Where you, you sat back and you're like, okay, 
I fucked that one up. Oh. Like, when I think about that, I think, like, I controlled that environment and I fucked that up. Like, something you did, a decision you made as a leader, or mainly a decision that you made where you're like, okay, that was probably the wrong decision and I fucked that one up. I honestly can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure my crew members and my my support team be like, oh, this one is this one. I I really can't think of. Did you ever like lose lose control of the crew? Did you ever, was there ever a time where guys were like, man, fuck soup. What's he fucking doing to us? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and, And one story comes into mind that there's a difference between being mad and being disappointed. Disappointed hurts more. Yeah. So I'm not the soup. I'm a captain. The soup's doing a... I think he's doing an investigation on a tree fatality. And I think the other captain... Daughter's birthday. So we're a scab crew. And I show up to the incident and go, Hey, we're a type 2 crew because we're short leadership. And traditionally, like, no, you're not. You're still a hot shot crew. We're going to make you do hot shot shit. I'm like, okay, let's rock and roll. So we have to do this burn operation, and uh, we start burning. We do get stretched out, but the threat level is pretty low. And then you get this group think mentality. So the job of a leader is to motivate, create that synergy that a team can accomplish more than what an individual can do. And so I believe that a couple of people started chirping. We're too far out. We're too spread out. This doesn't look good. And you can hear it on the radio back and forth. And I'm out feeding the burn, you know, I'm scouting out ahead. And then somebody calls back to the squad boss, oh, I don't think this is safe and this and that. I feel like they're going around my back. So I ignore it. And then um, they're like, we, we, we don't feel good about this. I'm like, all right, cluster on me. Basically, for you, so many folks need to surround me. Listen, we're going to have a conversation. What's the problem? Well, we're spread out, and what if we get a spot? And then asshole Neil just comes into play like a fucking fully lubricated, smooth operating machine gun. I shoot them all down, and I go, do, have we had a spot yet? Well, no. What if we do? And I said, if we have a spot, do we just shut down and run? Well, no. I go, what are you standing on, Jose? And I go, there's a ladder on every what? And I make them stand in their own truth. Well, there's a ladder over 100 feet. Where's your safety zone? Uh, down to the paved highway road. How far is that from here? Uh, 100 yards. And we're in between the burn. The houses are in between us, the road. You know what I'm saying? And the burn. And I'm like, we haven't had a spot yet, right? And I lose my shit. I go, we're going to fucking burn this, and we're going to finish it. That's it. Let's go. And we finish it. But I was very, I was very sad, dude. I was, I, yeah, I felt like I failed as a leader because they didn't believe in me wholeheartedly. And it's, your mind, your mind gives up before reality, before uh, rationale. Yeah. You know, this is hard. This is going to suck. What if, you know, what if I jump out of this airplane with a parachute and the parachute doesn't open type shit? Yeah. And we finished a burn. We finished further than, they expected us to go, and then of course at the end it was all stoked. Yeah, we kicked ass. I'm like, you motherfuckers. 
that that I, I felt really that was sad. What do you what do you think? I mean, caused that? Because it's you know I I've, I've been in that situation, but say, and not as a leader, but as a subordinate, as a as a follower. What do you what do you think? Cause them to, to worry about that. Was there any? Uh, I'm sure you briefed them beforehand. Did anyone bring up any concerns during that, or did you just kind of do a quick briefing and say, "This is it. This is what we're doing. We're fucking going." Yeah, I give you know you you give the fundamentals, the plan, and I think you know, as a hotshot crew, you're on the grind, dude. You're fucking going hard every day. That's what's expected of you. So you deliver that. And you, you get tired, you yeah. get fatigued, you get mentally fatigued. Night shift sucks. Sleeping in smoke in the day in the sun sucks. Poison oak sucks. And all those things accumulate to maybe, yeah. perhaps, I wasn't there, right? I wasn't yeah. a part of that decision making. I was just on the receiving end. But as a, as a crew member, I've seen that happen. People, damn, let's just not do that. Let's just tell them it's not safe. Again, I'm simple. Okay. Well, if we go right, we can get there in 10 minutes, but you want me to go left, it's going to take me 30 minutes. Okay. You know, I'm still safe. I still <laughs> met the objective. You know, I'm just a simple dude. Yeah. In state. You know? Okay. Can I do it safe? If it's not illegal, immoral, or unsafe, shut the fuck up and do it. <laughs> okay. So, you didn't make it... The first time you applied with Ontario, no, their loss. So later probably, on, probably not. <laughs> so, what made you apply again? I applied every time they had an opening, dude. I continued to apply. So before and during Ontario, I was up and down the state. Yeah. Again, I was totally happy with the Forest Service, but I always in my mind always have an iron on a fire. Plus, my testing was getting better because I tested so much. Yeah. And I would get back to my car and I'd write down, okay, I didn't understand that. I learned that. So I, I applied for, for every place, dude. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then after Ontario, I was like, well, I'll just stay in the Forest Service. Cool. But every time Ontario popped up because I had an interest card, I put in. But I didn't score high enough on the test. Gotcha. And um, I'm on a fire late at night. And one of the hell tech dudes, pretty cool dude. Walks up and says, hey, didn't you process Ontario? Yeah, they didn't want me. Oh, man, they're hiring again. Laterals. Oh, that's cool. Well, they don't consider a Forest Service firefighter, so it don't count. Well, no, it says right here. Local, state, federal. <laughs> when is it close? Tomorrow. Oh, shit. And again, always ready to go, man. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We get off that fire in the morning. I drive into Del Rosa. I get on the computer. I hit enter, submit, submit my stuff, and I start this journey again, dude. And uh, I go through the process. I do my interviews, and it's uh, at the time the operation chief, Geik, and um, Pelletier, Chief Pelletier. And we're going back and forth, we're having a conversation, and they're like, "Oh man, we see your qualifications." We see you're you're in this rank. Do you really want to come here and you know be a new guy? I'm like, what do? Yes, sir. Da, 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 da. And he goes, what if it doesn't work out? And I said, failure's not an option, sir. And I and I said, I just need someone to believe in me and give me a chance. And I think 
They did. They said, let's go. Let's roll. We're going to give you a chance, fat boy. And so that was that was it. And you, back up a little bit. When were when did you have kids? Because you, you have two boys. So when when did they did they were they born after you got hired on Terry or were during your time at as a superintendent? First of all, my wife has kids. I ain't got no. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, you're right. Um, kids were born in 2016, so I'm still on Del Rosa. Um, great joy, you know, my wife and I met older, had kids older, and I was kind of like my line in the in the Ontario Academy when people were like, well, who are you? I'm, like, I'm Neil Gamboa. Uh, I got married late, had kids late, and I got here late. You know, it's like my little punchline. <laughs> and I did my first year with the kids. I was, I was on Del Rosa. And I came home from our first trip, and it took the kids maybe several hours to realize. Yeah. Who is this guy? Oh, that's our dad. Because they were yep. seeing me all winter long, and then, then I take off. Then you take off for the season. Yep. <clears throat> Come home from my second trip, and the moment I walk in the door, they're both hysterically in tears. And right then and there, I was like, okay, change. It's, oh, yeah. it's five years. Yeah. Um, that's what I said. It's time to look at. I, I need to follow through my commitment. If you say you're going to do something, you better fucking do it. And so I'm like, all right. And my wife's a soldier, man. She's like, we'll make it work. You don't have to do this. I know She knows, man. She knows more than I know how much I love being on Del Rosa. So I started looking at other stuff, and that's when Ontario kind of fell in that alignment. Yeah. So there was law enforcement. Yeah. There was division chief. There was battalion chief, um, Ontario. And the, the first year I got the superintendent on Del Rosa, I had an opportunity to be, go to be a division on the Cleveland. But I turned it down. I said, I felt obligated to run that, pro, that hotshot program. So. Okay. So what was that, that switch like when you went to, because you never spent any time in municipal fire service, right? What was, that, what was that transition like when you showed up day one of the, the mini academy in Ontario and you realized this is nothing like you've ever experienced? So I had to realize I became what I hated the most. <laughs> you got you to explain that a little bit. Well. Because there, there is. I mean, we're not going to pretend that there isn't a uh, disparity between the feds, local government, and, and the state, right? Yeah. He's asking for more whiskey for this one. So Steve wants me to add to the list of my enemies, <laughs> so I have to make me another drink. And it's not that you know, it's it's enemies, right? It's just <laughs> and when <laughs> it's it's not. <laughs> I'm thirsty. We did a workout before we did a podcast. A really good workout. Yeah. I just got over COVID, so I'm all snapped off more than usual. <laughs> So there, there's no, there's no enemies, right? It's just these perceived differences of strategies, training, mentalities, and culture that that propagate this. This you're different, so I don't like you, right? Or hey, we we work harder because we don't get hotels. Or hey, we work harder because this is what we do, right? And that and that's just 
That's just how it is, right? But it, it, it exists. It exists, and it's because the, on the local government side, your job is not the same as yours on the hotshot crew. Yeah. So everyone's mission is different. And e- even when I was on the Forest Service and we would talk S, I would tell the guys, and this is part of going to school, you know, and maturing is like, we will never go to a structure fire and throw dirt on it and put it out. We have yeah. no idea what the hell we're doing. Yeah. And those guys aren't going to come and do a complex burn operation. You know, it's, it's different expectations, different missions. Um, what really would chap my hide The expectation of hot shock is to grind. All go, never quit, right? All in, all the time. And when you pull up to go on in, you see your, you see uh, dudes in lazy boy or in the folded chairs in front of someone's house for structure protection. Or you pull up or you're walking up the hill and it's getting ready to be a night shift and they're pulling out their cots to go to sleep. It's insulting. Uh, yeah, understandable, yeah. Insulting. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> I'm older now. <laughs> Don't fire me. So uh, and your question was, what was it like, right? Yeah, that transition. And let me give you this spiel. So I make the decision. And I don't make a decision without making sure, sorry, folks, the numbers are right. Yeah. I gave up a pension to come to another department. So I had to make sure the money was right. Ran the, ran the numbers over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Okay, it's good. And people in the feds are like, what the fuck? What are you doing? You're throwing away your career. You're going to give up being a soup? And being a soup is prestigious. Yeah. Now that I'm not the soup, I can confidently say, when you walk in that room, they're like, there's a problem solver. There's the fixer. There's the equalizer. You know what I mean? That's, that's the role of the hotshot crew. And the soup brings that leadership to the table. Um, and you're, you're, you're going to be a, a puke? You're going to be a turd? Huh? And, and I, I never really was um, rank-specific. Like, true leadership's never rank-specific. So I didn't, I didn't have that in my head. So I go to the academy, and I don't feel like I gave up my position or my skills because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Host pool? You know? Pre-connect? Throw this 35-foot? I don't know. You know, airway management, that's not hot shots. That's it, it, in the Forest Service engine community, they have SCBAs and, and they have like uh, pre connects for vehicle fires and pre connects for, but it didn't bother me because I was in the unknown. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, I was going to say uh, one thing though I knew was a challenge is like, I'm perceived coming here as an older person with a rank. Because in the municipal department, rank means something, right? And so I got, a, I got some slack from some guys. Who the fuck you think you are? Can you just be a fireman? Yes, <laughs> yes sir. <laughs> yes, I'm. You know? <laughs> I got something more important. I got a family to support, right? Yeah. I know how to keep my mouth shut. Okay. And now, now fast forward... You finished probation. Whoa, whoa, barely. <laughs> you finished probation with a good reputation. <laughs> and Who's telling you that shit? You. 
True. <laughs> and uh, now we're here, right? So you got you got your two boys. Five years old, right? Yeah, he just turned five. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, I had a lot of support, dude. There are some haters, and that's okay. Because on Del Rosa, you're walking through that front door as a new guy, peacock feathers come out. It will size you up. <laughs> so I accept that because I delivered that, and I, yeah. to a certain degree, supported that. And I think I won, I won over some hearts and some minds, and uh, that's a good feeling, right? I know I failed my 10-month, which is your last physical portion of your probation test, and I'm down there working out, and I got a retake. And one of the division chief walks up, and he's like, gives me a hug. Man, I need you to make it. I'm like, this dude cares, man. So that was, that was a good feeling, man. Yeah. You were wanted, right? You, yeah. They wanted, they, no one was hoping that you failed. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. No. But they were still making sure it was fair, and it was yeah. consistent. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know? And it's, uh, you're not doing anyone a service by letting yeah. them through. Yeah, absolutely. So. Unless, unless you let me through. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you ended up passing that retake, right? I mean, yeah. I've heard that story a couple of times, and that's. Um. So after after probation. Now, we're here. Right, you got, you got two sons. Yeah. What type of stuff are you? trying to pass on to them. I know they're a little young still, but it does it's never too early to start on some of these things. But what, what kind of stuff from your childhood, from your career, and from your, your life before them are you trying to trying to pass on to them to make sure that they don't go through the same stuff that, that you're going through, that you had to go through? So you want your kids to be good people. You want your kids to be kind, but you don't want your kids to be suckers either, right? Your S, you want to teach them always have your essay up. You want to teach your kids don't don't judge. Uh, I had a great life. I, I I grew up in a some challenges that you know I didn't understand then, and I appreciate now because I ain't living that now. So the challenge for me is teach them to be good people. Teach them to work hard. And how do you do that? Uh, I'm fortunate that the kids don't have to make mustard sandwiches to eat. They don't have to shit in a bucket. They don't have to boil water to take a bath. They don't have to break up wood to stay warm at night. Um, so how do you teach that? that that's, that's what I want to do. Teach them to be good kids. Teach them to be a man. Teach them to be respectful. Teach them to be fiscally responsible. You know, you hear money isn't everything, but money makes everything easier. Um, that's straight up, you know. Um, you know, the, my two kids fight all the time, like any parents, right? And, you know, a shout out to the, the, hot, the Forest Service guys who do their job with wives and kids. Um, it just worked out for me that I had kids late and an opportunity presented itself. Because I had seen how stressful it is on a family, yeah. on the job, especially on a hotshot crew. You know, I tell my wife, it's like, being on a hotshot is like having a girlfriend. You know, while you're married. You're hanging out with your wife, everything's all gravy on R&R. &R. 
the phone rings. He's like, oh, fuck. Hey, we got the first time. All right. Babe, I'm so sorry. I got I to gotta bounce, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. It was zero dark 30. All right. Uh, we'll make it work. You get in the car at zero dark 30, and you got a big ass smile on your face. It's go time. Go meet the boys. It's just fun. Yeah. Being out there, the one thing that the hot shots will promise you is misery and pain. And if you can survive that, you're going to have some fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, how do you, how do you begin to pass it on to your kids? You know, like, how do you, how do you begin to, to, to teach that without, because, I mean, they, they're going to have to go through it eventually. I mean, they don't have to, but at some point, like, how do you, how do you teach the drive to want to go through those things? Tough love. I honestly think tough love. You know, my wife and I battle on that a little bit. Um, why are you crying? Da, 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 da. Toughen up. Get through it. You know, <laughs> it's at the point where my kids fall. You go, I'm okay. Because yeah. when they fall, I go, hey, are you okay? You're okay. You're okay. Part I'm okay. It, yeah, part of it's your reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And then yesterday we met a new neighbor, and they had a little two year old daughter. And my kids are really good at being kind to young little ladies and sharing. So uh, I think we're on a good path. The challenge is when they're old enough to uh, be swayed. And that's where you have to be in their lives. Yeah. And so I'm glad I I have a different career now. You know, I got a buddy. He has a son. And I go, hey, how much overtime do you work? He works in our municipal municipal department. He's like, dude, I try not to. My son's girl crazy. I'm trying to keep him from getting girls pregnant. And, you know, trying to keep him engaged in sports. Idle, idle hands, man, or something of the devil, wherever they say it is. Yeah. So, okay. like this Jack and Coke. Uh. All right, man. So, we'll shift focus a little bit here. <laughs> Shit. Man, I want to hear a typical night out for Neil Gamboa when he was single. Oh, yes. Thanks for asking. Um, I'll tell you a good one. There's three friends, and I'll change their names to protect the innocent. Um, <laughs> I almost said their names, but... <laughs> I'll go uh, G and B and me. And uh, we call ourselves the soldiers. <laughs> We went out every night, dude. Every night. You were working, right? You were working. It was like wintertime, right? So no hold bars. And we would go to a buddy's house. I was probably still living in the barracks. And we called it pre-tilt. So we'd go to a buddy's house and just smash down a bunch of beers or Jack and Cokes. And either go to TDI Fridays or there's a place called... uh, it's in, uh, it's on the it's in on the border of uh, Loma Linda and maybe Colton. It's a it's a it's a dive bar. Where uh, on Barton Road. Taylor's. Taylor's. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you the story, right? So my buddy G. Hey man, you gotta go to this spot. I'm like, all right, and we go there, and it's whack, dude. Like, I think I'm going to get uh, lynched. By the oh, people shit, in there, dude. And I'm like, I'm fucking out of here. And we leave. I'm like, what are you trying to do to me? This place is whack. No, 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 no. We'll go back in a couple hours. Whatever. We go back, and this place is popping, dude. It was like 
college Thursday night yeah. and we get introduced to some drinks and it was fun dude. we went out we went out every night every single night we were on first name basis with bartenders I don't know and I don't advocate this I don't know how I got home sometimes I think my car was like Night Rider it's like kid get me home sometimes I don't I don't know how we got home you know we had fun it was a great time there was times where I go to uh, there's a place uh, I don't know if it's Rancho or Upland, uh, Rock the Keys, Dueling Piano Bar. Oh, that's cool. I've never heard of that. And I have a signature move when Michael Jackson, <laughs> Beat It or Billie Jean comes on. I don't remember. I'm always, I'm always so drunk. And I take off my jack, jacket and I just throw it across the room. <laughs> it usually lands on somebody's table, not so much drinks. <laughs> and I'm just tearing it up on the dance floor. Dude, I love this shit. Now I'm, nah, well, now I'm in bed by 9 o'clock. <laughs> shit, that's a late night. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Having fun, drinking, chasing girls, hanging with your bros, talking about your dreams and your hopes and your futures, and then you get married and you have kids, and you talk about the shit like back in the day, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that that was a typical night, dude. We went out, and we party, we party hard. There was a, there was one time we had five days off on the hot shots because we were busy running a gun, so we had five days off. But the Cleveland had a huge fire, and the soup got a phone call, and that's what a soup does. You need us? Jump? I'm already 100 feet in the air. You want me to go higher? Called everybody back, and I was two sheets from the wind, drunk. Dudes were kicking in my door in the barracks. Ah! I'd squab outside my time, my buddy of mine, Jesse. Leave him the fuck alone. Jesse pretty much, and I had my tent out, drawing from the previous incident. Yeah. Made the dudes pack up my shit. He pretty much probably carried me and put me in the buggy, covered me in my sleeping bag. Don't fuck with him. <laughs> Drove all the way to the Cleveland, dude, and I got the super truck, and the super looked at me. And he was a, he's a Christian dude. He's like, he was like, oh, brother. <laughs> you don't look good. <laughs> you look fucked up, man. Yeah. Dude, that's funny. Like, there's so many parallels between, like, that and you, you, you fill a, an environment with this testosterone and all these males and it's like the military right because that's that's like a, a typical thing in the military is, is you go out no every night no matter what's going on you wake up however early you need to wake up if you go and you go and work out you do a pt whatever it's just it's funny how many how many parallels there are there um let me tell you so i go to the academy at fort hundred leggett yeah yeah central california yeah there's one bar. There's one bar in the whole thing. I forgot what it's called. I can't remember. Named to protect the innocent. Because one's high ranking now. So we'll call him, we'll call him our dog. And the other one, like, S-Man. And I miss him, dude. We had a falling out. And uh, if you ever listen to this, I miss you, dude. Um, we partied, dude, in the academy. Because we were already on, we were the soldiers. We were already pre-tilt. Now we're going to camp. Oh, we're not drinking. We're going to straighten up, get ready for 2000 whatever fire season. And we get there and we're like, let's go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like we were in the back row of the class every day. It looked like I needed IV to bring me back to life. And it was even in my uh, evaluations. Like, they partied too much, you know. <laughs> but we were still putting it down, you know. Still PT, still past the classes. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad those days are over. It's good to remember. It wears on you. 
It does. It yeah. wears on you, and it just it gets old after a while. Yeah. You you start to go a couple of days without a hangover. You're like, oh, wow, the sun's out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I need a kidney transplant. But I will say, uh, the time that our crew got together for a holiday party yeah. was really really fun. Um, it's kind of like the in between. Being responsible yep. and respectful yep. and uh, not trying to punch someone else in the face or vice versa. We've had a lot of those. <coughs> so. um, well, last question. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed this. We've been talking for almost an hour and 40 minutes now. Shit, dude. And I, I tell the audience, I told Steve when we started this, started this journey, I don't want to be if I do three-hour podcast, but hey, that's how it flows. You know what happens. That's good. So, what kind of advice would you give someone who's wanting to get to where you're at today? Don't be afraid of failure. Some of your greatest successes will be your failure. Don't be afraid to get kicked in the balls because you can get back up. I fell. I fell a lot. I, I, I fell, fell to this day. <clears throat> you know, I went to school, I have a degree, I'm very proud of that, but uh, that that was a very focused, concentrated thing. I still can't spell, still can't read, I enunciate, I, I'm, I'm hood, you know? Um, I, but I ain't afraid. I ain't afraid to tackle it, you know? I'm not afraid. I am afraid. I'm afraid, but I'm still going to move forward. And when you fail, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Keep going. Keep going, stay in the fight. You know, um, I asked my mentor. No, he he told me he goes, because he was back in Georgia. He goes, do you know what the job of a hotshot crew is? And I had all these elaborate, because I just got out of school. I'm super smart. Definitions. He said, your job is to keep coming. When everyone else quits, you're still going. You're still going. When that crew need your help, they know without a motherfucking doubt you're still coming. And if they really need you, they know you're coming in hot as fuck. Um, getting emotional. That's what I love about being a hot shot, man. All in, all day, all the time. Go fucking hard. It ain't glamorous. It isn't complicated. Yeah, you can, you can get killed doing some dumb shit and not paying attention. It's swinging a tool in the dirt. It takes true, true, uh, true grit to do that job. It takes true grit to know someone's depending on you, and you, you ain't fucking, you ain't quitting. And, and there's one thing I want to add. I was hoping you're asking me. It's kind of that question, not, not failure, but what was the like the hardest decision for me on the cruise? On the crew was to say. Uh, we're going to stay out here all night because in the morning, I need you guys to go hard. We'll go back to fire camp. We're going to have a hot meal. You call your baby booze or whatever. And then we're in the shit. And I see, I'm out ahead of everyone. I'm usually, you know, a quarter mile out there. And I see an opportunity. We're, we're going to stay out here all night, boys. I, I, I'm crushing dudes right there because your mind is set. We're going to go hard for this guy for this many hours, and we know it's over. Uh, three one three two soup three. Hey, 
prepare for an all-nighter. I've been there, dude. It fucking sucks. That, those were tough decisions. Tough. Well, you just keep going. Just keep going, dude. All right. Don't be afraid to fail. So the last one. Oh, one more, one more. Last one. Oh, that's a good one. What is a phrase or a slogan? It can be you made it up. It could be something you've heard. But what is a phrase or, or some sort of uh, slogan, if you will, on something that, that's, that means a lot to you or something that, that sticks with you? It could be a quote. It doesn't oh. have to be from somebody. It can be from you. It could be from... I got it right here. I can't even... I can't see it. Hold on. Can you pull that down a little bit? Yeah. So, I don't know how this came across my way. It might have... From school. I don't know. But when I became a captain, I put this in my locker. And I think... I believe in my heart. You got to ask the bros that worked with me if this is true. But it says, we don't need leaders who stay warm on cold days while their men freeze on the grenade range. If they get cold, the leader ought to get just as cold. And when he marches back to the barracks with them after that kind of day, they know he's one of them. You know, and I took pride and probably to my physical detriment of PTing every single day with the dudes. If I had a meeting, I PT'd before that meeting, and those guys did their own thing, right? I took pride in being the first on the helicopter, the last coming back from the helicopter. I took pride in going out on the line. Yeah, there's sometimes I'm like, I don't need to be here. I'm gonna walk off this hill, go talk to the chiefs, get us all off this hill. And then what was very special to me was uh, as a leader, you are not given authority, status, and position as a personal reward to enjoy and comfort. You are given them so that you may be of greater service to your subordinates, your unit, and your country. And that epitomized to me what leaders should be. Go hard. Go hard with your boys. So when you say, I need you to stay out here longer, guess what? I'm out there too. I'm not swinging a tool like you because that's not my job anymore. I did that job. I, I think I did it good enough where they asked me to do something else, you know. So those aren't quick quotes, but this is, I, I kept this in my captain's office, my soup's office. I keep it in my garage. Um, I'm a simple dude, dude. I ain't that smart. <laughs> and everyone's stuff at the bottom, right? Dude. <laughs> Everybody is tough at the fucking bottom of the hill but when it's time to show and prove and fulfill what you say you're going to do not everybody's there that's my heartache with some places Theodama aka Apache Steve talked about this several months ago I didn't understand his journey thought I was on a whim next thing you know he texts me with some pictures or he pulled the trigger and bought some shit he said, let's do this. It inspired me to be a part of it. Uh, I thank you for that, Steve. Um, I'm excited to share my story. I don't know if I told everything that needs to be told. No, but there's going to be other opportunities yeah. where we're going to be talking about these things. I felt very comfortable. Um, we have some other friends, guests, that have a 
probably even a better story lined up. I'm excited for this future. We're doing it to just reach out to other people. We ain't trying to be rich. We ain't trying to be famous. I definitely don't want to be famous. Everyone thinks I look like Denzel and shit up in here. <laughs> um, thanks, Steve. This is fun. This was a good day. Yeah, man. And I do want to say, like, for our future guest, the intent is to show up. We're going to do a group workout. We're going to barbecue. We're going to smoke something. We're going to have a drink. And we're going to talk. Real talk, son. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you. And...